1: This episode of the Cult Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon If you want to tell us which films we should watch or get two extra exclusive podcasts a month Then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com Hey Richard, um, why does everyone in Middle Earth have the same font? The same handwriting? It's, an, it's uncanny
0: Uh, bad production design.
1: (laughs) Like you, like all the street signs in the Shire are that same like kind of curvy fantasy font. And then when you see Bilbo writing his book, it's the same fantasy font. And then at the end of Return of the King, when when Frodo like writes like The Lord of the Rings by Frodo Baggins, it's the same damn font. What Um, what is going? Well, I shouldn't say font. I guess it's handwriting, but it is font. It is a font. Yeah, typeface. Do you think Elijah Wood and Ian Holm and anyone else who wrote in these movies like learned how to do that hand- well, handwriting? Well, reckon That's just
0: like Ian Holmes' handwriting because this is the first one we see. That's true. And then they based the entire like of yeah. Middle Earth's um, literature. Yeah, off it's that. like
1: like how Tom Hanks based his Forrest Gump accent off how young Forrest Gump talked. Mm. Wow. That's a really good insight. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody! <laughs> Welcome to Film Franchise Fortnights on the Colpopch Podcast. My name is AJ, and I'm joined here by uh, Richard Martin. Do I yes. pronounce that right? Son of Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, son of Wayne, and I am Alexander, son of Justin. <laughs> ah, this is fun. Um, oh, look, so we're having fun. and that's We the are main having thing. fun, though. Um, so this is. Uh, a franchise, a, a podcast where we cover film franchises. Mm-hmm. I, I, when was the last time we explained that up top? Yeah. This um, is a,
0: a film franchise where, where it's about podcasts. Mm,
1: well, there will be one day and oh, it'll yeah. be our biopics. and they'll make, them, <laughs> they'll make it more than one film just so it qualifies as a franchise. as like a cheeky
0: little nod. Yeah. And then by the third one, will go like straight to TV.
1: The third one will be... Um, at least 30 minutes shorter than any of the other ones in the series <laughs> and uh, really just feel like the the yeah. crumbs left at the bottom and of the cookie the, jar. the
0: person who played you didn't return for the second one, but they come back for the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Old Zach Galifianakis, he's, he's a busy man. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, today we're continuing on our journey through Middle Earth. Um, two weeks ago, we covered the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, you know, Arguably one of, if not the best, film franchise of all time. Uh, you won't find many people these days who can confidently say that these are bad movies, because um, they're not. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah,
1: sure. Yeah. And now we're 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 going. On an expected (laughs) journey (laughs) to to really get the whole enchilada, because we like to do that when we cover franchises. Oh
0: man, we love enchiladas, Mm.
1: and we're not we're not just going
0: to enchiladas are like a thing that you you tend to have like multiple of at a time. Like it's not like it's not like it's difficult to eat one.
1: No, exactly, Um, and you know we we. We love Enchiladas so much that we we like to watch every single edition of a franchise as possible. So yeah, look, the Hobbit trilogy from 2012 to 2014 is considered uh, inferior to the Lord (laughs) of the Rings trilogy, but it's still part of the legacy, and so we're going to watch it. And not only are we going to watch it, I consider this part of the Middle-earth overall franchise well it is but like yeah when i mean like
0: yeah it's when, not it's not yeah. a hot
1: take no no but when people say lord of the rings is the greatest franchise ever it's like they do have three half of them are bad yeah yeah <laughs> well i guess so i guess so so the films that we're going to be talking about uh today if you've never heard of the hobbit um which you have, but if you haven't... Uh, which, fuck,
0: come on. You have.
1: <laughs> we're talking about uh, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, which came out in 2012. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, which came out in 2013. And The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, which came out in 2014. They're all, once again, directed by Peter Jackson, who directed the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And let's take a, take a guess... Richard, of what they have on Rotten Tomatoes?
0: Uh, Unexpected Journey, I'm going to go like mid 70s. Okay. What do you think Uh, for Desolation? um, Desolation, I think, would be the highest one. So I'm going to maybe say like high 70s, low 80s. Okay. Um, And then the Battle of the Five Armies, I'm going to say just below fresh. So like Hmm. mid to late 50s. All right, so The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey
1: has 65% on Ron Tomatoes. Uh, the Desolation of Smaug has 74% on Ron Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and The Battle of the Five Armies has 59% on Ron Tomatoes. So the only one to not be. Fresh, as Rotten Tomatoes calls it, um, interesting. And I'd also, I'd argue that Desolation of Smaug is the only one with like a a score you'd hear and be like, oh, I might go check it out at the movies then. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because if,
1: if if a new Lord of the Rings comes out and only gets sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, that's like, I don't know. I feel like that's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Quick, just taking drink a drink
1: break. of my water. <laughs> um. Yeah. So look, we are dealing with um something very upsetting to a lot of people for a, a lot of different reasons um if you thought that last the the lord of the rings episode was a deep dive into how um you know the trilogy kind of changed our country of new zealand um for the better uh, this one the, in every single aspect of the hobbit trilogy is like the opposite effect like, both personally and nationally from Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah. For us and the people involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, the trilogy was based mostly on J.R.R. R. Tolkien's original novel, The Hobbit, from 1937, which was published nearly 20 years before The Lord of the Rings, um, which I think is one of its first biggest problems, right, is that it's the movies are a prequel, but the book wasn't a prequel. So a lot of the stuff that, that the way the way a prequel is written isn't how The Hobbit was written. So it needed to be adapted so that all these things were prequely. Um, though large parts of the Hobbit trilogy are based upon the appendices in Return of the King. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on what an appendices is. Do you
0: want to take a stab at that? Uh, it's like the additional notes. Right.
1: So... I heard somewhere a long time ago that apparently at the end of Return of the King, Tolkien wrote a bunch of notes that was like, um, I'm going to rewrite The Hobbit. Here's the things I want to change. Here's the things that I left out. Um, and then he died.
0: Yeah. Appendices refers to a tube-shaped sack attached to and opening into the lower end of the large intestine and in humans and some other mammals.
1: Mm. And if your appendices gets infected, it
0: could burst and yeah. spoil the whole franchise. Appendicitis, Which is
1: maybe what happened. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, yeah, no, it's search. like, um, uh, it's, at the end, it's uh, a section or table of subsidiary matter at the end of a book or document. So, it's right. like a glossary, I guess.
1: It's interesting that he even wrote them. Because, like, if I had ideas for, like, how I wanted to change my my personal IP. I probably wouldn't spoil it by like putting it at the end of a book, end of the last right, book and be like, I'm right, gonna yeah. change all these. But, you know, it's good that he did, I guess, because we've yeah. got these three great movies. And you're not out like,
0: you know, considered one of the great authors of all time. So yeah, what yeah. the fuck do you know? Yeah, idiot? that's
1: true. No, you're right. You're correct. Um what are these <laughs> films about, Richard?
0: Let's go through all
1: right. one by one and Okay.
0: Well I think the um I've I, I think I've cracked um the, the plots of these films. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is look at the title.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Um, so an unexpected journey. Uh, you have a character, Bilbo, who's not expecting to go on a journey. And mm. then he does. What? Yeah. Um, okay, so. But wait, you said that he wasn't
1: expecting to.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's He unexpected. changed his mind real easily.
1: Well, yeah, um, okay. First issue. Um, he needed to have a desire for adventure established before being coaxed into going on an adventure. Right? That was my first thought. All right, continue.
0: Okay. Um, so, okay. Bilbo's tricked into hosting a party for these 13 dwarves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the right number, 13. Yeah. And then uh, led by Thorin, who's the grumpy one. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hates elves because they didn't help his granddad. Um, that's, and the- that's such an important part that you're like <laughs> trivializing. Like it's
1: just a silly thing.
0: Um, <laughs> so the dwarves, they want to recruit Bilbo as their burglar mm-hmm. so that they can get the MacGuffin from mm-hmm. the, um, Mount MacGuffin. It,
1: yeah, fair enough.
0: Um, a lot of MacGuffins in these films. And then a bunch of stuff happens and there's an orc who, Azog, who has it out for them. Yeah, Um, And then also Bilbo gets the one ring off Gollum In the best scene of the movie
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure (laughs) Um, Yeah, So a couple more, a couple clarifications Um, They're trying to get the Arkenstone from Erebor And Erebor was the dwarf homeland Which Smaug the dragon came and took over The Lonely Mountain The Lonely Mountain Um, And the dwarves were cast out And now they don't have a home They did turn to the elves But the elves said, no and so yeah. they've been wandering and now apparently like a there are good omens in in the world that indicate that it's time
0: for the dwarves to reclaim their homeland. Yeah, sure. One Something on. like that. Um so then if we look at the Desolation of Smaug, um that's the one with Smaug and he's real uh, this real desolate location. Hmm. Uh so <laughs> we we're, we're still on this adventure. Um there's some spiders. Yep. Like we had in uh, Return of the King. Mm-hmm. And then we meet Legolas and Toriel mm. and Legolas's dad, Th- Thran- Thranduil, The three best
1: characters in the movie. Um,
0: and so Legolas um, obviously lives in a place called the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> um, and then Also
1: known as Mirkwood.
0: Yeah. Then we also meet um, the Bard who... Is no, the character the- who <laughs> looks the most <laughs> like Orlando Bloom in the film?
1: <laughs> he- <laughs> His name is Bard. He's not a Bard. Oh, right, yeah,
0: yeah. But no, we meet Bard, who looks like Will Turner.
1: Yeah, he's a he's um, a boat he's a boatman or a bowman, depending on what he does. Yeah. Um and I'm imagine, the imagine if there was a, do you think there's a bard that lives in Lake Town and he's called like boatman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so the dwarves get captured they float da- downstream in some barrels mm-hmm. um and there's some very there's a- egregious <laughs> camera work which i'm sure There's a GoPro There's um- a GoPro <laughs> and it's like I cuz when i saw this film in the cinema i was like fuck that was a dumb decision having those GoPro (laughs) shots in there and then I was like surely it can't be that bad and I watched it again and I was like it is luckily though it is the only dumb
1: decision made in the entire Hobbit trilogy from the the director Um, so,
0: so then some other plot stuff happens they get to Lake Town and they meet Stephen Fry and then they go to the Lonely Mountain and then they encounter a very small hiccup and immediately give up. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so weird, eh? It's yeah. like holy shit! You haven't even looked. You haven't yeah. tried hard enough at all. Also, so the, the hiccup is that um, they can't find the keyhole for the door, and the last light of Duran's Day is supposed to indicate where it is. Which mm. Duran's Day, I think, is the end of September or something like that. Yeah,
0: it's but, it's like annually, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. But does that mean the whole time we've been on a time? Like a, t- a countdown? Like, have they been racing yeah, against yeah, the yeah. Clock, this clock this whole time? There's a clock this
0: whole time, and we didn't know.
1: <laughs> I had no idea. And they get there just in time as well, and mm. everyone's still like poddling around like Lake Town for a while before they yeah, go. Yeah, were
0: they, um, yeah, were they waiting in Lake Town for like weeks or months mm. and then up to the Lonely Mountains like a day trip? Yeah. And yeah. they were like, oh, okay, it's Duran's Day. Let's head up. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, I mean, if it's only the last light of Duran's Day that can, um, that can do it. You know, it's not like you can go earlier. True, true. Um, so, you know, pr- presumably they were waiting in Lake Town and timed it hmm. um, to go. But the fact that they get there with like seconds to spare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, because you think they go up, you know, go up plan so they've got like, you know, a six hour buffer just in case they encounter more spiders or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, okay, we'll just wait for the last live Jaren's day. But they're like, Oh quick, find the keyhole, we've got eighteen seconds left, mm. and then the sun goes down and they're like, oh, okay, well it's ah, that's my life's work. Um yeah. turn into a fucking joke. And yeah. then he just um so they, they decide to go home and, and Bilbo's like, Are you fucking serious? Like <laughs> let's let's try something else and then he waits like thirty seconds and the moon comes out. And turns out the moon's the last light of Durin's day, and it reveals the keyhole, and they go inside the mountain, where they meet Smaug, who, after waking up at the end of the previous film, is now fast asleep. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, the the first film ends with, um, it cuts to inside the Lonely Mountain, and um, some gold falls, creates a landslide, and then uh, it reveals Smaug's eye, and he wakes up, and then... Uh, the same thing happens in this film <laughs> so I don't know if that was like here's a teaser from the next film or if it was supposed to be like this is happening and then he just fell asleep again well, ma- so it ma- yeah, matter.
1: maybe he just has a regular sleep cycle <laughs> yeah. it's not like they got there within a couple of days or anything
0: Um, so then uh, they uh, Bilbo finds the Arkenstone and then they have a big fight with Smaug and uh, he eventually escapes the Lonely Mountain and then Bilbo's like oh fuck and then the film ends <laughs> Mm, Yeah, so, you know, the best scene from An Unexpected
1: Journey is when Bilbo encounters Gollum and it's this, like, awesome little, um, like, kind of... uh stage play almost and then the best scene from desolation of smaug is when bilbo encounters smaug and it's like this majestic dragon who's voiced by benedict cumberbatch with this like really great voice i can't wait to hear what set piece or exciting (laughs) character or exciting scene we've saved for the final film in the trilogy
0: yeah it's funny that like um if you want to see the non CGI version of the best scene in of those films, you can watch either Black Panther or Sherlock <laughs> <laughs> to see Martin Freeman act against um, the person playing them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. We've, so, Smaug has just escaped to destroy the nearby town.
1: Oh, so, man, this is going to be a good movie. I can't wait for the climax of the movie to be um, the Hobbit defeating the, the yeah. dragon, you know? So,.
0: Um, Smaug destroys the nearby town, but mm-hmm. is killed by Bard oh. who um You skip the whole an- movie, Richard. That's it. An- no, no, this is the first very early on in the film. <laughs> this is the first twelve minutes of the movie. <laughs> um and so Bard shoots an arrow into like his one weak spot. He's like mm. missing a scale. And um Yeah, shoots a black arrow into him. And then the five armies have a big battle <laughs> and I can, then a I bunch of people to, die.
1: To- Specify some of the yeah. Like, so stakes you've got of the five uh, elves, armies.
0: dwarves, orcs, men, eagles. There's like some wolves. So okay, like- got, I
1: wrote it down. If, if you're interested, um, yeah. maybe you're not. Um, so the five armies not, in the though. movies are the dwarves, the elves, the men of Lake Town, which I, I don't know if they're an army. Um, the orc army from Dol Dolguldor, which sounds like Dumbledore. Um, <laughs> And it the orc army it's from, from <laughs> Gundabad. Uh, in the book, though, the five armies are the elves, the men of Lake Town, the dwarves, the eagles, and the orcs. So yeah, the well, because the eagles are-
0: show up in this movie as well. So there's, there's yeah. like, because because I was like, I was going to write it on here, so I was like, wait, what are actually the five armies? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, there's these nine kind of count. Um, in the book, <laughs> it's these five, In the movie, there's these, and then apparently it's like revealed in like a behind the scenes. Dark, um, you know, part of the behind the scenes stuff. They're like, these are officially the five, and it's like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, a few people are killed. Um, Thorin for one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bilbo's like, oh, I've just lost my best friend, and it's like, he's been nothing but rude to you for three <laughs> for thirty months. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Keeley, who's the sexy elf, mm-hmm. um, is he was caught up in a love triangle with Toriel. Which was legalist. just beautiful storytelling. Um. <laughs> uh, and then Bilbo returns home, and after a minor inconvenience, everything's fine.
1: You missed—you missed one of the dwarves who died. <laughs> That's so oh sad. wait, yeah. Which? Who's the other one? Feely and Keeley both die. So oh yeah, I yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. brothers. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, the sexy bros.
1: Yeah, so the, the Battle of the Five Armies is kind of over the Ark and Stone, but I think it's also over getting past Erebor. I think the the like orcs want to move past Erebor, I think. It's so complicated, it's so stupid. man. And so I also read apparently um Gandalf's uh his B story in the two second two films is actually supposed to be he realises that Sauron is coming back, and so the reason why he wants the dwarves to reclaim the mountain is because he wants Smorg to be destroyed, Smaug to be destroyed before Sauron comes back, so that he can't join Sauron. Apparently yeah. that's implicit in the movies. Yeah, but I am. I did not realize I, that. I never at all. really
0: followed Gandalf's B C no. Lotto. Um, yeah, it's hard to but follow. W- since we're talking about like um Bilbo encountering people as being like the best scene. In the film so mm-hmm. in this one after the battle of the five armies um they're just sitting down and he's sitting down and then Gandalf comes and sits with him and just like cleans out his pipe and it's the best part of the movie
1: yeah it's so funny <laughs> um and apparently apparently that was the last day that they were shooting with Gandalf and um because it was so momentous Peter Jackson was like you know what don't do any of your lines Ian McKellen Sir Ian McKellen <laughs> Just do something funny, uh, and he That's did. Awesome. And it's the best part of the movie.
0: Yeah, um, it's funny. Like, so when I when I saw Emma Callan, I mentioned in the last episode when I when I acted with him. Mm. Um, but he talked about how he really he he was excited to be doing the Hobbit because he way prefers playing Gandalf the Grey. Interesting. Um, because he's like, Gandalf the White is, you know, very, oh, very regal and proper with mm. everything he says. But Gandalf um, the Grey is happy to just, like, sit down and have, have a beer yeah, with yeah. the hobbits. Yeah. But um, I did- uh, There's another funny story about that night that I forgot to mention last time. So, it um, started with him, um, like, just basically reciting- it was either, like, the start of the book, The Hobbit, or Lord of the Rings, or it was, like, the passage of the book where with the fly-you-fools thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, he just, like, came and, like, did it and, and you know, performed this. It was amazing. Uh, but, and then he would bring someone down, and but normally, like, a little kid, like, 12 years old or something like that, and they would be like, oh, you know what I've got in my pocket? And would, like, let them touch the one ring. Um, on the night, so he did it like over two or three nights and on the night I went, he got up some little kid who was real stoked. On the next night, he got up um, our friend and fan of the podcast, Tyler Braley. <laughs> <laughs> and so apparently um, on that night when he was doing his big monologue, he got lost and then had to pull the book out and be, and be like, oh, where was I? And then continue. And then when he was like, uh, do you know what I've got in my pocket? Tyler was like, more lines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: Yeah. Very
1: shrewd, Tyler. Shout yeah. out to you if you're listening.
0: But, um, um, so yeah. Yeah, imagine just like being like, yeah, I fucking... You, you punked
1: Ian McCallum yeah. Um, hey, so last, on the Lord of the Rings episode, you quizzed me by asking me to um, tell you the nine members of the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Um, can you tell me all the dwarves in yeah. Thorin's company? So,
0: you've got Thorin, the grumpy one. You've yeah. got the two sexy brothers. You've got yeah. the fat, funny one. You've yeah. got the silly looking one. You've got the um, old one. mm mm-hmm. um, You've got uh, the young one. Mm-hmm. No, so it's like Thorin, Keely, Feely, Owen, Glowen, Bomber. Um, those are the ones I can remember.
1: Okay, you got Thorin, Balin, Balin. Yeah. He's baller. That's yeah. how I like. That's how I remember him. Ballin. Um yeah. Dwalin, Feely, Keeley, Dori, Nori, Ori, Oin, Gloin, Buffer, Boffer, and Bomber. Yes. Yeah. So um, there you go.
0: Yeah, they like two of like or maybe what like four or five of them are given distinct personalities mm, yeah yeah too many
1: characters which maybe we'll get to later but before we do that richard what did what did you think of these films because what, what was your favorite because like i we've been pretty salty already leading into this yeah. podcast um and if you like the hobbit this must be a a heartbreaking thing to, to listen to but tell, what what well, are you- no, but
0: if they if they like the hobbit they won't be listening to this podcast because they don't have good taste mm. so what
1: uh, was your favorite of the, the three uh, films okay
0: definitely desolation of smaug um mm-hmm. but even that like really fucking drags in some parts it's just yeah. like the last act is quite cool yeah uh, with the actual stuff with smaug i remember when i saw uh 'Cause I saw the first one the cinema and I didn't see the third one until this podcast. Uh, when I saw the first two on the cinema I remember being like I'm satisfied by those, you know? Yeah. Not not being a fan of Lord of the Rings, I was like, Yeah, whatever. They're not I can t- I know they're not as good. Mm. But um whatever, I had a good time. But watching them again, especially an unexpected journey, I was like, Fuck man, this film, holy shit. Um, <laughs> it just goes on and on and on and it's like the tone is all over the place and it's just boring and it's it's very clearly especially like um actually Battle of the Five Armies it's mm. very clear that this entire movie was supposed to be the third act of the second movie yeah. when it was originally announced as two
1: it's if you ever hear um the phrase rush job and you want a a like really good example of where like a layman like someone who's not even into film that much can understand what Mm. a rush job looks like the battle of the five armies is the most obvious rush job i've seen it's up there with true detective season two in terms of like there's some ideas here um you really Mm. didn't have time to turn them into anything
0: yeah because um do you cuz yeah i mean well, we haven't said it yet but like this was originally announced as being two films mm-hmm. and then it was famously split into three and, and everyone was pissed off about it uh but so do you know when the split point would have been
1: yeah i think um it was supposed to be after the barrel ride
0: yeah yeah so it was, was the barrel the scene was supposed to be, be the end of the first one and then the bar- and then bard appears and it's mm-hmm. like who's this mysterious figure cut to credits
1: yeah um yeah so Rank rank them, 2, uh, 1, 3, right? 2, 1, 3, yeah. Easy. It's obviously 2, 1, 3. So one thing to consider, though, um, I agree. When I first saw them, I would have said, yeah, because we'll get to what I thought when I first saw them in a minute. But um, we we watched the extended editions again. Mm. Um, did you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, if there's one thing that these films don't need, it's for them to be extended. Um, (laughs) Like, it is the. So, when I first saw them at the the theatre, I would have ranked them, yeah, two, one, three. This time round, I actually think I enjoyed one the most, and then two, then three, because two. Is is the I think is one of the most hurt by an extended edition films I've right. ever seen. Like I was so bored when they're in, yeah. when they're stuck in Mirkwood and and fro and fro Bilbo's just walking around and he looks behind him and sees himself like walking behind him and I was like, I this is going oh. on for so long. <laughs>
0: it's like an actual fever dream that they live within, but it's not yeah. as fun. Um, but my like. They should have, and I messaged you this while I was watching them, but they literally should have just released the scene of Gollum and Bilbo as a short film, mm. and that's, that should have been all we got on The Hobbit. They'd be <laughs> like, oh, we've cast Martin Freeman, we're just doing this like one little scene, it's going to be real fun. Mm. Um, and then people were like, release the whole thing? And you'd be like, nah. Nah, nah. But before you talk about what you thought of them, can I just guess what you thought of, like- you know, growing up what you thought of these films. Okay. Um because I imagine because you you spent so long being like, Oi, Lord of the Rings isn't even good. Like, <laughs> I I'm so cool for hating them. I were you like, I'm gonna fall in love with the Hobbit? I wasn't and, and you, you you like you were very apologetic and made excuses for them. That's what I would I don't guess. think it was
1: I tr- truly from the bottom of my heart, I don't think it was an intentional Um, I don't think I was compensating. I don't think I was making up for lost time, right? Because by the time I saw the Hobbits, I'd rewatched Lord of the Rings and was at peace with them,
0: right? Right, Okay, I I didn't mean um, overcompensating. I meant more that you you enjoyed having a contrary opinion about Lord of the Rings, about the Middle Earth.
1: No, I didn't enjoy it by this stage. I hated having contrary opinions to people, Um, but I did, in fact, really love the first two Hobbit movies. Um. When I saw the first one, I was like, that was great. Like, that was fun. I loved this part. I loved this part. And then when I saw oh, the second the one, one, I was, was like, so "Funny." <laughs> well, I, remember, I remember when I saw the second one, and I remember as well, and the Ron Tomato score like, would back this up. I feel like opinions on the second one were actually generally quite positive, where they were kind of dour on the other two. Like, I, I feel yeah. like the second one in the zeitgeist, everyone was like, yeah, it's it's a step up from the, from the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I love so much about the second one. I love so much about the whole trilogy. Uh, and then the third one came out, and, and I went to it, and, and after it finished, my friend who was working at the cinema, he, like, walked in to clean up, and he was like, how was it? And I was like, nah real bad like i i thought i've always thought the third one was just real bad Um,
0: yeah the third one is actually garbage
1: yeah and so i have what is almost the opposite exact opposite um experience with the hobbit movies than i have with lord of the rings because lord of the rings growing up i was like i'm too cool for these movies and like when the hobbit came out i was like i like them and no one else does (laughs) so it's very very jarring um to 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 be thrown into this this saga and and um experience these things yeah,
0: like I do I did like the first two, like I say, but over time, I came to understand why they're bad. and I think especially watching them a week after watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like we are talking the drop in production value the drop in just quality control is staggering yeah
0: also did you see the uh see them in the cinema at that higher frame rate they released them yeah man fuck it was bad
1: bad idea in fact the higher frame rate and the 4k um resolution i think is actually responsible for why uh, this movie looks like everything is glistening in CGI because mm. all the sets and things looked too fake at that frame rate, so they had yeah. to touch them up. Um, yes, yeah, so should we
0: explain what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, so this this move, these movies will give your eyes cavities. Like it is like you're eating sherbet for th- with <laughs> for your eyes six hours in your eyes. Like they just it looks garbage like what's the yeah, there's point
0: a, um, there's like this shitty instagram filter of everything as yeah. well yeah
1: yeah and it sucks because it's supposed to be showing off new zealand landscapes and what's so cool about lord of the rings being set in new zealand is that it's so gritty and grounded yeah, and there was like, no yeah, need to film this in new zealand yeah yeah and that's what a tree looks like that's what a rock yeah. looks like in the middle of nowhere new zealand and this you may as well have not have not filmed them in new zealand
0: yeah i'm sorry but, um, but- so they were yeah, they, they did this thing and, J- like, James Cameron started it. He was, like, I'm going to do this when I release Avatar 2 in 2014. <laughs> Pete, you can um, start it off. Uh, and it was this high frame rate thing. So, normally a film would be, one and yeah, normally a film would be, like, 24 frames per second. These were released at 48 frames per second. And I remember when they first announced it, they described it as, like, because it was 3D as well. Mm. And they said, like, if um, 2D is, like, looking at... Uh, you know, like a picture of something. 3D is like looking through a window and 48 frames is like taking away that glass and just being like looking into the real world. Mm. And there is definitely, part, I think, part of that. It kind of, it gets rid of any motion blur. Mm. Um, so when the camera tilt, uh, pans really fast from one thing to another, you see every single like yeah. detail in between that. And it's really disorientating- watching something like that when we're so used to experiencing a film in one way but it just also means that yeah you can see every single detail as clearly as you can in real life so you can see there's one shot i remember specifically of like a foot um a hobbit foot it's like stepping on a stone that was like in the middle of a river mm-hmm. and just being like fuck that actually looks like that foot's right there but that also meant that i could see like where the prosthetic foot became real Mm. and I could see where every hair had been plugged into Mm. the silicon and like it got almost like universally panned as a as a production decision Mm. I think it could work on something like Avatar when the entire world is is made up but when this is like the real world with stuff stuck onto it and you can see those seams it did not work at all yeah yeah so
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you've said. Um, One thing that we should probably bring up soon um, is that the – so Lord of the Rings for New Zealand was like, good morning world, we exist. You know, like Mm. Lord of the Rings when that came out, that changed New Zealand culture as we talked about um, last fortnight. Um, And then The Hobbit was like,
0: "Good night, we don't exist anymore. Yeah.
1: (laughs) This film, like, I could talk about the trivial things, like the Air New Zealand safety video that was Hobbit-based was cringy as fuck. Oh, it was
0: by no means the worst Air New Zealand safety video. That's true. And if you think it is, you're actually an idiot.
1: It was still like, look, we made The Hobbit. And it's like, you don't need to advertise this to New Zealanders. (laughs) Like, we get tourists from... Overseas because of the Hobbit, we don't need it to to be advertised to us, maybe. Um, but really, the big and I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't quite understand it <laughs> completely. Um, and if you if you probably know about it already, but um, Lindsay ellis who's a YouTuber um, video essayist, has a three part video series. It's about an hour and a half all up on the detrimental effect that the Hobbit had on New Zealand. Um, mm. And basically what it is is that um, – so, okay, I'm going to (laughs) try to summarise, and I apologise if you know way more um, about this than I do, and I'm getting stuff wrong. But basically, um, not long after the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Peter Jackson um, sued uh, New Line, who produced the films – um, because they they were holding out on the money and it ended up with New Line pulling out of producing The Hobbit entirely and the rights went to five separate studios, um, all who were wanting different pieces of, of the pie and a big part of that was um, Warner Brothers wanted to move it out of New Zealand, um, which New Zealand public didn't want, but during this there was also a problem because Um, actors in new zealand because we're such a small film industry weren't getting paid as much as like international actors and they were trying to form a union um, and warner brothers were like no don't form a union because you know evil corporations hate unions Mm -hmm. Um, and basically what ended up happening was the prime minister had to change the laws of you know new zealand to allow for an attempt to be every, for everyone to be happy but in what is kind of like a um much less egregious parallel to like the Waitangi Day treaty <laughs> signing um it really screwed actors over and we're still yeah, it, living it in a place like that kind of screwed now.
0: over New Zealand to benefit major film studios that want to film here but yeah. like there yeah, the the reason for uh that New Zealand's like a good place to film and stuff like that not only the landscapes but it's it's um to do with like tax breaks and stuff like yeah. that. It's why a lot of um, TV shows are filmed in Albuquerque and Georgia mm. um, as well, so because those states have um, different tax breaks if you're working on a film. And so, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's things to do with that. Yeah, I'm probably
1: not going to go into it any more than that, other than to say like, this is a sad story. Like, this is a mm. real tragic, sad. Yeah, if you kind especially if you watch
0: Lindsay Alice's videos on the on the topic, I think it's mm. like. Yeah, so it's three parts, and I think only, like, the third part is actually about the Hobbit laws and how yeah. they affected New Zealand. But, yeah, yeah it's – um, yeah, it, it kind of screwed over the country, and it's it's very much our Prime Minister, John Key, at the time, bending over backwards to, you know, oh, please. the
1: big people from Warner Bros want to come talk to me. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. better change the flag. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, All right. So, but probably the most interesting thing about The Hobbit's production schedule, as we said before, was that the trilogy was originally going to be two films um, Um. called The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey and The Hobbit There and Back Again. uh, And director Guillermo Del Toro
0: was attached. Yeah, Um, and he he did pre-production for years. For two and
1: a half years, I think. Lived in Wellington doing pre-production. He described his vision of the film to have more of a fairy tale vibe, with the second film transitioning into a style tonally consistent with Peter Jackson's original trilogy, which sounds real interesting and, like, a really cool... I like that he's acknowledging the problem with doing a tonally inconsistent movie yeah and so he, he i imagine the first one would have felt very different to lord of the rings with the second one kind of meeting bridging the gap yeah, yeah bridging the gap meeting it yeah at the end. Uh,
0: yeah i think del Toro's one would have been superior in every way yeah especially That's- when you look at like this guy spent two and a half years of pre-production on these films that didn't even get made and then they were like oh pete you should film it and he was like well i've publicly said i never want to fucking touch this franchise again um mm. and then yeah you watch anything behind the scenes and like, it's literally, like, on on Lord of the Rings, he goes, you, you watch these and he gives these rousing speeches and everyone's having a great time. The Hobbit, he's like, uh, well, yeah, here we are again. <laughs> um, and then there's, like, there's a famous behind-the-scenes clip of when he's, like, um, they're filming one of the scenes with, um, I think, one part of Gandalf's B-plot, I think. I think, I think the set looks like that. And um, he literally just has to go, oh, everyone take five. I need to figure out how to. How to shoot this scene hmm. because they're like, you know, they didn't ha- they hadn't done pre production. Whereas, like, every single shot was storyboarded in Lord of yeah. the Rings. This, but this key got to it and was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah.
1: Del Toro did pre production for two and a half years, Peter Jackson didn't. And apparently Del Toro was let go. Or officially, the official story is he left the project because it was taking too long. Um, But if you know about it, it kind of feels like he was asked to leave um, because I think producers weren't too happy with his vision. Um, Maybe that's to do with the fairy tale stuff. Um, But I'll tell you what, man, the more I learn about Del Toro's vision, the Hobbit Mm. duology starts to become like... The alternate universe film I most want to see.
0: Yeah, harder. Yeah, when we did the um, films that change directors podcast, Mm. um, I from memory I think I'd written heaps of notes about Del Toro's The Hobbit, and then. But they were like second on my list, and then I said the first thing, and then got a real good segue into the third one, and then and then forgot to go back, so we didn't mention <laughs> yeah. it. Even though it's like one of the most famous examples. But yeah, doing the research for that, it was real interesting talking about his version for Smaug as well. Right, like he was like it should look like no other dragon ever put to film, and he'd wow. like done all these. There, there is like a concept art out there, but um, he said like the mouth should like he, he spent ages like working on the mouth and was like this should. It has to be able to speak English, but it shouldn't move like a human mouth because if it does, that'll completely break the illusion and people will walk out of the cinema. He's like, this is what people need. Like, you know, it has to have its own rules of how his mouth moves so he can speak English. And then Peter Jackson's like, oh, just what if he's got a tongue and, you know, lips and (laughs) and articulates things in the exact same way as a human? Mm. Yeah. It's sad because.
1: Jackson actually was—he was still a producer, and it's not like he ripped it away from Del Toro because he wanted it. Like he wanted Del Toro to direct it,
0: mm. particularly yeah, it really because seems like he was forced upon him.
1: Yeah, Del Toro was the fairy tale answer to Jackson's more grounded approach. Um, so yeah, this—it's real sad, and you see him talk. You see Del Toro in interviews talk about it, and it's like he's about to cry. He says in one of them, he's like, it's like I've been widowed. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I've only just been able to start talking about it now because cause he had his heart set on it. He, he, like, loved the Hobbit book and, like, really yeah. wanted to do it justice. Yeah,
0: there's, there's a Wikipedia page of um, unproduced projects by Guillermo del Toro, mm. and this is clearly the one that he's most upset about. And one the one that I think the public's most upset about.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, did you know that Daniel Radcliffe, Shia LaBeouf,
1: James McAvoy, Aaron Arkin, and Toby Maguire were apparently considered for the role of Bilbo Baggins? Say what? Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, Daniel Radcliffe is an
0: interesting choice because it's like- Do You clearly like, just want the mirror image of Elijah Wood.
1: Yeah. yeah, or, And also, like, it's- that's actually a good point, but it's like, imagine if Harry Potter and Bilbo Baggins were played by the same guy.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't, I yeah, don't well, like
1: it, when, a, when an actor has two- um, two iconic. significant roles that are like iconic in pop culture what, already.
0: What about um Harrison Ford? Yeah, but they were made for
1: the like their original inception was in movies. Right, Indiana Jones right. and okay, Han Solo. Yeah.
0: So um, you're not you don't like what about like um, Ian McCallan uh, Gandalf, st- Star and, Lord, Star Lord, and um, and Owen Grady. Yeah, I Pratt. actually
1: I actually do have kind of a problem with that because they're very similar characters. I'd I'd say the exception to this rule, be yeah, Ian McKellen who plays Gandalf and magneto i don't have too much of a problem with that but yeah i don't know um anyway <laughs> Shia buff um that's a rare that, i don't think that would have been very good
0: <laughs> yeah i feel like this is one of those things where uh they say oh they were like talked about like you know you know i don't think he was he would have ever seriously been in contention yeah. for it um james mcavoy seems too old
1: yeah I, he's probably the same age as martin freeman but I don't know. I can't see. Say-
0: yeah, I don't know why you'd see. Say- I, 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 pick, I imagine him being younger than Martin Freeman. Right. Well, fair enough. I don't when know. When I think maybe- of James McAvoy, I think you know what? He's probably younger than Martin Freeman. That's the first <laughs> thing that pops to my mind. That's
1: amazing. Not any of his work, or like, <laughs> no, his
0: no. films.
1: Um, I don't know who Aaron Arkin is. Yeah. But Tobey Maguire, <laughs> can you yeah. fucking imagine? Can you imagine Tobey Maguire as Bilbo Baggins? Uh, that would have been hilarious <laughs> not that i think he's a necessarily a bad actor but i think he can only play a certain type of character
0: yeah i'm, I'm ready um, to be
1: impressed maguire james
0: mcavoy is eight years younger than martin freeman there you go um peter what jackson a, what a strange thing to say i don't that know james mcavoy's too old but martin freeman's the right age well uh, maybe i don't like martin freeman as bilbo
1: i haven't said that yet okay no i just yeah I love Martin Freeman as Bilbo, and so did Peter Jackson. Um, he said that his first choice was always Martin Freeman, but he was initially unable to accept the role due to scheduling conflicts with Sherlock. Yeah, I, m-
0: I remember him turning it down and everyone
1: being like, no. Um, so Jackson reworked the entire shooting schedule for the trilogy to accommodate him, which may be the
0: only <laughs> pre-production work Jackson did for the entire trilogy. <laughs> yeah he's like oh yeah we'll delay it by we'll delay filming by six months and everyone's like oh cool we can do storyboards we can like actually make props pete's like no we're just waiting for Martin.
1: yeah um so i want to talk about how the hobbit um works as a prequel because i think the hobbit is responsible for a lot of tropes that we now recognize as being bad in a prequel (laughs) You know I really,
0: mean like more than the Star Wars prequels,
1: yeah, no, the star wars prequels i guess yeah we'll we'll get to that, um <laughs> so. I feel like the Hobbit trilogy fails as prequels because they're based on a book, as I said at the start, they're based on a book that was written first. So when you're reading the Hobbit novel, you theoretically don't know that Bilbo and Gandalf and a few other characters survive, right? Like their fates right, okay, are, yeah. for dr- the sake of dramatic tension, they are technically up in the air. Um, but the movies like insist on putting specifically those two characters in so many life-threatening situations um and they do with legolas as well and it's like what is the the tension here like a a gandalf's like whole appendices inspired side quest it leads him to discovering things the audience literally already knows you know yeah yeah so the the storytelling falls more on showing how gandalf came to discover that sauron is coming back instead of revealing anything to the audience because we know sauron's coming back you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so it doesn't it's not it's like you want to know how gandalf found out and it's like okay but i already know he f- the 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 dramatic tension should be him finding out
0: you know yeah, and yeah. us
1: finding out at the same time um a few but other then how
0: do you shield that from like you have to watch lord of the rings without realizing that Sauron's back
1: yeah exactly that's my point right that's that's why it's it's that's a problem i'm not offering a solution i'm just saying it's a problem um (laughs) a few other moments of like prequel sinning that you get a lot in prequels and is one of the main reasons people don't like prequels um is things like referencing the origin of something. Chubby Ha moments. Chubby Ha moments. Um so, you know, solo was full of these, like why yeah why he calls Chewbacca Chewy or how he got his blaster and things that is like, I wasn't even looking for the origin of this um story. So uh there's a Gimli mention which is done as a joke where Legolas <laughs> sees a photo of young Gimli and he's like, who's this hideous creature? and Gimli's dad who's one of the main dwarves is like that's me we lad Gimli and it's, that's a real good impression <laughs> a good, I want to praise myself I'm supposed that. to say
0: that not you okay. <laughs>
1: um, but I think that moment is outshadowed by the Aragorn mention which is taken very seriously um, but again it's just constructed in a way that implies you're supposed to watch the Hobbit first so you can find out right, who yeah. the and mysterious then- Strider is when you watch the next <laughs> film
0: it's um, it's funny as well because legolas is you know in this but famously not in the hobbit book yeah um and if ego mortensen was offered a role i remember and he was just like Aragorn's hey, not in the book
1: how would you even put he's in the, <laughs> in the timeline of the films he's 20 in the timeline of the books he's 10
0: yeah um but um but yeah, that's like, I, I love that he has that kind of yeah because also i think he kind of hates lord of the rings or like you know is, <laughs> is over franchise films now
1: yeah yeah um yeah, because so basically at the end of the Battle of the Five Armies, Th- Thrandral, who's Legolas' dad, is like, you have to go find a a, a Strider. And he's like, like he, he calls him Strider. His true name you'll have to discover for yourself. And it's like, are you doing a cliffhanger? What do you mean? <laughs> what What is the point of that? That's so stupid. We know you're talking about Aragorn. Like, it's not <laughs> ambiguous because he calls himself Strider. So it's just like... Just ah, oh, just cut the scene. Just, don't go. You'll have to find his na- his true name, for yourself. It's like, ooh, <laughs> I wonder what it's going to be. Um, uh, I thought though the worst example of this prequeling signposting would be the origin of Sting's name, Bilbo's sword. It's the it's less important, but it's so cringy because. Bilbo has a sword named Sting, which he gives to Frodo in *Lord of the Rings*, and we know it's called Sting, and it glows blue when when elves are near. And you see him in an unexpected journey find the sword, and that's fine. That's not a I'm not saying that part's egregious. But then in *Desolation of Smaug*, when he's fighting spiders with the sword, he stabs one of them, and the spider goes, "Ah, it stings!" And he's like, "Sting," and it's like that could be enough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then he goes, "It's a good name." And you're like. Yeah, it's a good name, Vilvo, and he goes, hmm, "Sting." And it's like, I get it.
0: <laughs> it's
1: like they do it three times. They let me know three times that it's that it's, this is why it's called Sting because it stings when you get stabbed with it, unlike any other sword which doesn't sting when you get
0: stabbed. Um, with it. I don't know. You you said it glows when there's elves nearby. That's Did I? Indirect. Yeah. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> <It> stops recording.
0: Ah, <sighs> uh, yeah, glows when orcs or goblins are nearby.
1: Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah, goblins. Um,
0: Goblets. Yeah, There's people having a having a drink around here.
1: <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on, um, like, this kind of prequely stuff and and um, what, maybe what it could done better? I,
0: or- they can, they can be done right. Mm. I think. Like, I think the the Strider one, I think, isn't necessarily as bad as you you're making it out to be. Really? Because it is more like, um. I think it's very much a a, a bridge gapping kind of thing whereas like Sting <laughs> is like just idiotic. Yeah, right. Fair enough.
1: Um so beyond the prequel problems, I do think there are certain structural the problems. prequel problems. Pre props. Um, there are certain strucky probs, um, structure <laughs> probs, that plague the trilogy. And in a lot of ways, I think the films would have been improved by making a few dramatic, fundamental changes from the book. Which, like, if we're talking about making the Hobbit into three films, that's where I'm. That's the point of view I'm coming from. Like, yeah, two films would have obviously been better. But if we have to make three films, mm. I think the you need to change some things in the book. Um, the main thing I would say is Smaug has to su- to survive at least to the halfway mark of the third movie, mm. you know, like to kill him, to the namesake of the second film, it starts with him, it ends with him like getting to Lake Town and it's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? To start the third film and kill off what has been two films of Big Boss, yeah. you know, before the opening titles is such a obviously such bad decision.
0: A, such a strucky prop. <laughs>
1: it's such a strucky prop. Um
0: and I don't know
1: how, but you gotta make him survive longer, man. Maybe he's part of the battle. i i d I don't know. Well just
0: just just shift the timing of the film. So get rid of get rid of the battle of Five you don't need it. Um mm. and then have them entering the Lonely Mountain be the start of the third film. Hmm. And then, so, so the, the battle of Smaug and then him dying is, like, the end of the second act.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you know that the Battle of the Five Armies in the book takes up a chapter and a half? No, yeah, like, yeah. half a chapter or something like that? Yeah, I
0: did not know, yeah.
1: Um, that's insane. Um, and it's like, but the appendices! And it's like, well, they were, I don't know if they were much longer either. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's, like, full, like, scenes and, um, you know, like, halves of a movie devoted to, like, a sentence worth of content and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which I mean it's not like that's without precedent because you know, we talked about how like Arwen was based on a sentence at the in the in the appendices mm. of Lord of the Rings and stuff. Yeah, but like it's that.
0: fine when it's a good change.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the problem, Peter Jackson. You needed to make good changes instead of bad ones.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I also I made a popcorn video on this ages ago and I thought I'd mention it as well. My one of my biggest problems with the structure of the Battle of the Five Armies is that every other lord of the rings movie and hobbit movie is like they start in one place and by the end of the film they're in a different place you know it's a quest these are the definition of of quest they're road movies um and this one is just stuck everyone just sits still we don't Mm. move anywhere we get it we get like legolas goes on like some approximation of a quest at one point but it's not enough and again beyond just making them two movies and not three i don't know how to fix this but like it is a bummer to have the format of the past five movies be thrown out the window for this one.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it, it, it is interesting watching them, and it's very clearly you could make two half decent films out of it. Exactly. Because,
1: yeah. I, and I'm more more so than the Star Wars prequels, which again, we're going to talk about soon. Um, mm, okay. All I right. think that The Hobbit is 100% salvageable. I know there are fan edits out there and I haven't watched any of them but I might actually after, after yeah we well, yeah, music. like
0: um Tofa Grace edited them down to one film recently mm. to deal with how stressful it was playing David Duke that's yeah. how he that, there was like a stress ball was editing yeah. the Hobbit
1: um and it's because so what what I guess what I'm saying is if you took all three movies you could cut out enough to make one to two I'm gonna say good movies you know I'm not like not even like the best we could do. Like yeah. they would be good. Yeah, great movies. Like, yeah,
0: one like decent three-hour movie probably, or like two pretty decent like two two-hour movies. Yeah,
1: like and with because the problem with the Star Wars prequels is that a lot of it is rotten at the core, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. the problems with it are like the problem the almost one hundred percent of the problem with the final products of the Hobbit movies is that there's too much in them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think also as well that like adapting, and I think this is what del toro would have been doing is that the hobbit is a children's book whereas the Mm -hmm. lord of the rings are like these big epics and so i think adapting it as a kid's movie you know trimming them down quite a lot and not not like a kid's movie but more like maybe just slightly less adult oriented than lord of the rings you know Have, have a bit more of the fun and whimsy in there um and keep them you know to around yeah. two hours. But yeah. instead change them in these, you know, gigantic epics that, you know, are what, like forty hours each?
1: Yeah. As I said, Del Toro's version is it's one of the biggest tragedies in, in Hollywood, you know.
0: It, well, not even just in Hollywood and in, in the world.
1: <laughs> like, I think the only other movie that exist in an alternate universe i'd really want to see would be the dark knight rises if heath ledger didn't die but even that's not confirmed like this is mm. the most information we have about yeah, yeah. what this movie what these movies would have looked like um another fundamental change i think would have helped is i think there are too many dwarves um because <laughs> it's just like with the fellowship it's like they're all distinct characters
0: yeah and they split them up as well and yeah they, yeah and you have time to develop each of them
1: I think there are too many, I think you could take out maybe like three to four of the dwarf characters because what? Then it's just like the company of nine dwarves and no one, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's
0: it's a it's a fun illustration in a kid's book, but it yeah. doesn't work well in a movie.
1: Yeah. Um, and I also think they should have made some of the dwarves female and then we don't have to you put- You fucking Tor-
0: SJW cuck.
1: <laughs> then we don't have to put Toriel in the films and yeah, the can shitty love Yeah, we talk about Toriel yeah, for man. a bit? Yeah.
0: Um. So, this character was written for Evangeline Lilly, mm-hmm. um, who had retired from acting, I believe. Really? Yeah. And Peter Jackson was like, "Oh, I've written you this part. It's amazing." She's like, "I'll do it as long as I'm not part of a love triangle." Yeah. And which her character exists only to be in a love triangle, mm. and there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Um. So I actually I do feel I do feel bad for her because she like she was she filmed this part and they're like yeah this badass chick like she's such a great female character and then they were like oh we're doing reshoots to pad it out for three films and we're going to give you this interspecies love story and man it's bad. There's yeah. I, do, I I do want to mention though. It was like one of the funniest like cinema going experiences for me was Desolation of Smaug. So, um, Keely, who's the sexy dwarf, um, who doesn't look like a dwarf at all. He doesn't have any ridiculous makeup. He's just like kind of a hot dude. Um, but he's short. Like you, AJ. Yeah, like Um, me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: so. I imagine that's what a lot of girls who have considered dating me, but have decided not to. That's what they've said about me. He's kind of a hot dude, but he's short.
0: (laughs) um so he's he's been wounded and they they, he needs this like weed rubbed on him and toriel does it and oh my god it's the most fucking ridiculous scene ever put to film (laughs) so she's like rubbing his leg but the way it's filmed it either looks like she's giving him a handjob or he's Mm. like or she's riding him and it's shot from the side yeah yeah. um and then she starts speaking an elvish to him and it's in slow motion and this light comes from behind her and it's like the most ridiculous thing. But so she's like slowly like rubbing off screen and he's looking up at her like. Uh, uh, it's like the scene uh, from
1: Scary Movie 2 where Anna Faris jacks off the good dude from um, Malcolm in the Middle.
0: Yeah. But um, so this is happening and he's like they're, they're making eye contact. And she's like uh, uh, and he's like. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then the person behind me was like, He's got to come. <laughs> it was so funny like because it was it, like it was just it was slightly louder than a whisper but it was like so matter of factly like he's gonna come like like, this like, like the fact. way you'd say like when someone's like oh boy I can't wait to retire tomorrow you would be like oh he's gonna die <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's great um yeah yeah, Toriel, it's 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 amazing that that the the love triangle between her and, and Keeley and Legolas was a reshoot decision because I can't imagine her role would have been anything interesting and like yeah. or at least like what would she have done if that wasn't Well, I
0: think she would have just been the female Legolas who's there to shoot a bow and arrow and then that, you know, constitutes being a strong female character the only one in the trilogy mm. um, well, because maybe, hey she she does things that a man normally does and that's her entire character
1: maybe her and Legolas should have just been combined into one character and it's mm. just her
0: because then then you're yeah because yeah you then you get rid of the problem of uncanny valley and Lando bloom
1: yeah and you're and also the fact that he wasn't in the book and that pissed mm. off so many people um yeah so make some of the dwarves females you know I know why they didn't do it in 2012, but now it's like, anyone who gets angry at this is such a loser. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like well, making
0: the dwarves female or making, not making having maybe,
1: maybe two or three of the dwarves females.
0: Right, right yeah, because it made it sound like you were like- Anyone who gets angry at all the dwarves being male is a fucking idiot.
1: <laughs> um, you know, because, and like they mentioned that you never see a dwarf female in yeah, the flesh. I was
0: just about to say that, yeah.
1: <laughs> you see, they they mention them in, I think, The Two Towers, and he's, and Gimli's like, the problem is that a lot of dwarf females are mistaken for men. And Aragorn's, it's like it's because of the beards, and it's like shit. Okay, show me them. I don't care. (laughs) Like whatever, have bearded woman be. Well, maybe
0: some of them were women then. Yeah, yeah, true. Maybe. And you mistook them for men. Like if if J.K. Rowling had made um, (laughs) had made the Hobbit, she'd come out and be like, Thorin's a woman. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, all right, now it's time, Richard, for some randomly placed useless trivia slash statistics. Um, oh, but it sounds was, like you've
0: strategically placed. Yeah,
1: it. I was going to say a fun fact about the randomly placed aspect of this. This segment is that it's now actually very intentionally placed <laughs> in a in a in a way that bridges the gap between two talking notes. All right, so. If you've never heard this segment before, this is where we talk about our own podcast and where this fits into the lore of it. Um, so feel free to skip ahead five minutes if you don't give a shit about that. It's going to be five um, minutes long. Yeah, it's five minutes long, Richard. Jeez, i timed it. Do not interrupt me because then it'll just be longer. no. I don't know how long it'll take. Um okay so the three films but in please this don't trilogy
0: interrupt
1: me. <laughs> The three films in this trilogy make up our 11th, 12th and 13th prequels that we've covered on the show. So the other's being Puss in Boots the three X-Men prequels and Origins Wolverine, Monsters University, Dumb and Dumberer When Harry Met Lloyd, the two Santa Paws movies, and Spoilers Final Destination 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't include the final...
0: Someone th- that's really worried about spoilers and is like, ah, What Wolverine just going
1: I didn't include the three Beethoven films in this list because they're the three final ones, sorry, because they're more of like a meta-reboot.
0: Yeah, then like and then by prequels. no means a prequel, and no well, one would define them as such.
1: Yeah, but they make the first Beethoven movie in it,
0: right? Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's idiotic. You didn't well, bring that up.
1: I agree. Um, I am an idiot, <laughs> but I'm hot. I'm just but you're kind of hot,
0: but you are short.
1: <laughs> um, I also didn't include Freddy vs. Jason, even though it happens before Jason X, because mm-hmm. that feels like it's not really a prequel. Uh, nor did I include every Hellraiser film after the fourth one. <laughs> Or Jigade is like set the fourth one set in the future. I don't know if I'd call oh, yeah, the other ones prequels. Yeah, yeah. It's more that it's more like it's more like Jason X and Hellraiser 4, I forget what it's called, Bloodlines? Uh yeah, Bloodline. I feel like it's more that those are a special kind of sequel yeah, than a They than jump a, ahead yeah, massively here. Yeah. Like the opposite of a prequel. Um yeah. sequel. Yeah, so this is our second prequel trilogy to ha- have at least one film featuring Ian McKellen um, after the X-Men prequels, and technically our second prequel trilogy to be a prequel to a trilogy where every film stars Ian McKellen, <laughs> which is also X-Men. Um, and last one for now, if you count The Lord of the Rings as a separate franchise to The Hobbit, then this is our fifth franchise to feature elves. <laughs> The other ones being Santa Paws, Dungeons and Dragons, Beethoven and Shrek. Yeah. Um, the two Middle Earth franchises tip the scale to be fant- To our podcast being fantasy elf heavy over Christmas elves. Though if you count Shrek the Halls, which is a short film set in the Sh- Shrek universe, this may change, but I'm not sure. I don't think I've seen
0: Shrek the Halls. Yeah. Um, this is also our second franchise where if you count Lord of the Rings as a separate franchise where we've both separately met a star of it very true and for me it's different a different star from the last time I forgot how much Brett
1: McKenzie was in yeah (laughs) was in the first Hobbit movie man
0: um but yeah my star the person I've met uh is also in this franchise quite a bit uh because I have had quite a nice chat with Martin Freeman tell us the story um, well, it's more of a story for another franchise, but um, I did—I uh, won tickets to go to the uh, premiere, the world premiere of *The World's End*, which was held in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, and I'll tell the long version of that story when we finally get um, uh, the Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I met him and had a chat to him, and he was really drunk, and oh. he was like, "Hello, my name is Martin," and I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> um and then yeah what was he saying because he was there um because basically like everyone from the hobbit went to this so like benedict cumberbatch was there richard armitage was there who i like kind of walked past and didn't realize it was richard armitage but um, yeah so i um yeah i've sat in a room with like most of the stars of the hobbit and i've met Ian mccallan and martin Freeman.
1: and here you are just you know, singing their good graces for <laughs> yeah. an hour and a half. Um, um, but
0: yeah, no, um, Matt friend was a cool, dude. I, I I asked him when Sherlock was coming back. <laughs> what did he say? Um, he said that they were filming it or something like that, or they were just about to start filming it. Mm. Um, and nice. then ever ever since then, I've been like, why the fuck did I waste time asking him about that? But I think we we did chat for a little bit. I spoke to I mostly spoke to Simon Peak. We had a good chat.
1: Nice, nice. Well, he wasn't in
0: this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but look forward to
0: hearing that story again, the non abridged version.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Richard we're going to move on to a new weekly fortnightly maybe weekly segment that we're, that I'm going to try to for every episode but I discovered the first time it's actually quite hard. Um, so, <laughs> so this segment is one we talked about uh, on the Lord of the Rings episode it's called Hashtag Ask Everyone 2019 mm-hmm. um, So what this segment is is based on how much we enjoyed talking to um, Chris Weitz who co-directed American Pie and directed uh, New Moon and a bunch of other franchise films that we've covered and david McEvans. yeah
0: david McEvans. Well. we we also enjoy talking yeah. to
1: him yeah um i'm gonna on air on an episode maybe every off week as well i haven't decided yet i'm going to tweet someone from the franchise that we're covering and ask them if they want if they'd be keen to be interviewed on the show mm. um, yeah
0: so now there's an art to tweeting random people isn't there
1: yeah and part of that art is if you announce that you're doing it on a podcast, it becomes way less lame because people know you're doing it for like a
0: yeah. A funny no, but I reason. mean like there's a certain level of person that you want to tweet, right? Right.
1: Yeah. It's it's like not famous, but a good career. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah 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 you want people that are famous enough that it's cool but not famous enough that they'll reply mm,
1: yeah so for for the whole week i was like i'll just tweet brett mckenzie and and attach the photos of me and him and be like would you be keen to come and talk about your experience on the hobbit um i think i found his twitter he, he hasn't tweeted since 2010 um, and and that's that's as official as I could find was this very lonesome um, Twitter account. So I'm not going to tweet him. Instead, and I'm gonna I spent about 45 minutes just scouring through the Hobbit crew members looking for someone who'd be good to tweet. So this is who we're going to tweet today for Ask Everyone 2019. Richard, we're going to tweet a person called Volter Casotto. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, um, and he is a a makeup artist who worked on um, the, he was the senior prosthetic makeup artist on Unexpected Journey, um, he was also a prosthetic art makeup artist on X-Men First Class,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, wait no, X First Class, what the hell is that? Is that the same thing as X-Men First Yeah, it is. Okay. It's called X First Class on IMDb for some reason. That's weird. Do you know that? Weird. Um, Let me look it up. So he's a prosthetic makeup artist for X, X, X First Class, as well as a special makeup effects artist for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, which we haven't oh, watched. Oh,
0: it's stylized on screen as X First Class. Right.
1: Um, and in what also makes him pertinent to this podcast, he was also a prosthetic makeup artist on Bohemian Rhapsody, oh. which, say what you want about the film, the prosthetic <laughs> effects are pretty good, <laughs> you know, in that. Yeah. So I found his Twitter, and I'm going to tweet him right now. What should I say? Hey, V Casotto we run a podcast where we review a lot of different films that you've worked on. Would you, We would love to interview you on our show. Would you be potentially interested? Yeah. And now Sounds we're going to tweet him. The tweet is sent. The tweet is posted, I apologise. Um, and oh. if you want to get involved, guys, retweet oh, that tweet baby. or tweet him yourself if you want um, and say, yeah, you should do it. Um, so maybe we'll hear from him at some point. All right, cool, cool. So that was our new segment. I hope you enjoyed it. I was thinking in, if we do it in off-week episodes, we could do it like right at the end of an episode and we'd go back to like Lethal Weapon and work oh, yeah, our yeah. way up through the, all the franchises yeah, yeah, yeah. we've covered that we haven't tweeted people from. Cool. Nice. All right, Richard, let's talk about the Hobbit trilogy versus the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And which one's worse? Um, <laughs> so both are, you know, both are famous for being, like, prequel trilogy, which is a very specific thing, but prequel trilogies that kind of ruined the legacy of a mostly unanimously loved trilogy before. Nerdy then, pop right?
0: culture thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so we are. I'm going to ask you what which one you thinks worse but i want to say what i think first
0: <laughs> sure
1: so if we're just using like a scientific point system like it loses a point for doing this it gains a point for doing this sure personally i'd say the hobbit is easily the better trilogy <laughs> like the hobbit, I th- yeah. yeah i think i think um the the only thing i'm willing to admit the star wars prequels have over the hobbit is that they're shorter and you don't have to suffer through as much tedium but as i said before i feel like the star wars prequels are rotten at the core whereas the hobbit trilogy has prestigious moment it has you know moments in it that are some of that like are up there with some of the best moments in lord of the rings they're just surrounded by tedious yeah i think
0: that um yeah i i I don't think that's a really an argument (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm glad you think so because um, yeah, I, like you said they're onto the core, whereas there are good movies hidden inside the Hobbit. Yeah. I
1: remember seeing a Reddit thread that was like, It's time we admit that the Hobbit trilogy is worse than the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And I was like, In what world are they worse? Like <laughs> I would I would go as far as to say the Hobbit trilogy is like much better than the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> yeah. But I really don't like the Star Wars prequels, so maybe that's that's just me. Um, all that being said, while I feel like the Star Wars prequels um ruin the story legacy of the originals, the Hobbit trilogy is probably more detrimental to like its prestige legacy of the Middle Earth films. Yeah. Because the Lord of the Rings are probably, by and large, seen as being more prestigious than Star Wars. Yeah, but you they One, best picture, so. Yeah, exactly. Um And so in a way this is ruining something this is ruining the the trilogy in a in a real world sense whereas the star wars prequels ruined it in a fictional sense Mm. um yeah so any more thoughts on that or was that the whole thing (laughs) no
0: i mean that's that's that's
1: (laughs) it i'm glad you agree i was worried you'd be like oh no the hobbits are real bad and i'd be like yeah but it's like they're different they're different ball games man yeah (laughs) (laughs) um all right so i thought before, we're kind of spiralling down into our final few segments here. Oh, God. Um, so we are coming to the last, you know, two um, hours of the podcast. So do you know what's
0: <laughs> fun as well? That we've just tweeted a makeup artist. Yeah. Um, who, are they nominated for an Oscar for Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, well, anyway, because, you know, the famous, the Oscars not announcing stuff during the break. Um, 42 seconds ago, the Academy tweeted, that they were reversing that decision. Hooray!
1: Wow, you heard it here first
0: on a podcast that's coming out three
1: days after we've recorded it.
0: <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah. No, I've i pulled up Twitter to um, see our tweet. Wow. And yeah, the Academy. You know what, Richard, the news
1: doesn't stop. It doesn't? No. Um, all right, so the, the last thing I want to talk about before we just descend into rattling off our usual segments is... Are, like, are the Hobbit films worse than the Lord of the Rings films
0: are good? What? Uh,
1: no. I agree. I think the, <laughs> cool. the, okay, the, the, the Lord of the Rings films are better than the Hobbit trilogy is bad, is another way to put it. You know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like, like, if you were putting on them on a scale of good to bad, it would still tip in favour of good.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm saying that now so that when we eventually do, um, when we eventually rank these franchises, which we want to do middle of this year, um, that's an important thing to consider. It do, it does pull yeah. it down somewhere in the ranking, but not. Yeah, but the we have
0: done these as two franchises.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that. Well, maybe we should rank them separately. I don't know. I think. I think that that and the IP in general is the franchise, and this is they're important to cover in separate episodes. But they do yeah, We'll Cross this bridge contrib- when we come yeah, to it. Sure. So I wanted to just rattle off a few things that I really like about the Hobbit trilogy, um, because we've spent so much time shitting on them. But I actually love I love some of the stuff in the series. I love some of the stuff in the series more than I love some of the stuff in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right. Right. Okay. So first and foremost, Martin Freeman is excellent as Bilbo. Yeah, I think it may be my favourite performance of Martin Freeman's. Yeah, it's it's up there with with Lester from Fargo, but Mm -hmm. I think Bilbo is a way more nuanced and nuanced and beautiful performance. I consider him to be one of my favorite actors as well, and this is like, like him him at his peak. I think like I the the there's there's a few scenes that I really like that I thought and you feel free to jump in with some things you like as well. Um, I really like in um, the the second film when he like kills the spider and picks up the ring that fell out of his pocket, and then he just and, it's, and he says, "Oh, sting!" I like that. No, no, no. <laughs> he, he picks up the ring and then he puts his hand over his face and he looks at it at the ring. And, and sort of like he doesn't say any words, but yeah. it's clear the the message being communicated is what is this ring doing to me? Yeah, yeah and it's it's correct. communicated all through emotion. I really love that. Um, I love his conversation with Smaug. I love um one thing that the, probably the one thing I like the most. Two two really good scenes or good moments in the Battle of the Five Armies is when Thranduil calls him out and is like, "Aren't you the guy who you know stole all our barrels?" And he goes. Yes, <laughs> it's like one of the only moments of like levity and like creative yeah. acting in the whole film. Um, and the other part is when um, Thorin dies, and he's crouched next to Thorin, and his head is in his in his hands, and he goes, ah. <laughs> and that's that's immediately followed by Toriel holding a dead Keely, going. What? it hurt so much <laughs> and it's like the other because one was, was the like more emotive like that's the one you should have ended on
0: yeah. um fuck man that horrible <laughs> horrible scene that is eh?
1: uh so yeah i i really love i specifically i think i love martin freeman's delivery of a lot of the lines. one of yeah. the reasons i like the desolation of smog so much is the way how it ends with him watching Smaug fly into lake town and he goes what have we done and I yeah. love, I love that delivery
0: so fucking much, dude. I think it's such a cool. Yeah, it's, it's it is great delivery. Um, my, one of my favorite. It was on all the trailers, but um, when he's got the one ring, and he's like, "Oh, I found something in there," um, and Gandalf's like, "What did you find?" And he's like, "My courage." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like he's got a lump in his throat, and then it's like a, such a great delivery, and then Ian McCallan responds with like good you'll need it <laughs> and it's such a strange delivery of the line. like you watch what his mouth is doing as he says that and it's like mm. what a, what a choice mm. yeah
1: well similarly besides that i do think ian McAllan kills it as oh, he's, gandalf he's, yeah, as well yeah.
0: oh yeah and and it's like i i love that i i, I why prefer gandalf the gray and i love that he prefers gandalf the gray as yeah, well yeah yeah sure.
1: um, and- of course Benedict Cumberbatch as Smaug is awesome as well as yeah. i said the scene with him and and bilbo is really really cool and i think i think Benedict Cumberbatch um fills the hole that not having gollum in the film you know what I mean? Like, well, at least Smog oh, yeah. does. And yeah, because he's also
0: did the um, mocap for it as well. Yeah, yeah. And
1: I think that's what's wrong with Battle of the Five Armies, as I said before, is they don't have, like, the first one's got the Golem scene, the second one's got the Smog scene, and the third one doesn't really have anything. Um, and combined, I would say Martin Freeman, Ian McCallan, and Benedict Cumberbatch as Smog. And I guess Andy Serkis is Gollum, by virtue of him always being Gollum, are the like four main reasons I'm not going to just be like Guillermo del Toro should just make a Hobbit movie. Mm. You know, the, these these are the 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 gold in them their hills. That yeah, means, but I mean,
0: yeah. it, like from by all accounts, Martin Freeman's such a perfect choice. So who's to say you know del Toro wouldn't have cast him? Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think of the at the end of um, uh? Life to when he's flying towards Lake town and he's like i am fire i am death
1: um i think they ended it on
0: the better line which yeah is, what it, we, what it's such a done? strange thing because it's like i want to like it but i don't quite <laughs> right like it, it feels like it should be this iconic moment and maybe if it was in a better film it would be mm. um but yeah the the what have we done from Martin Freeman? Yeah, it's so was good. it was the main
1: reason I was happy that they were split into three films when I was watching them. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, um, oh, otherwise you wouldn't end with this like amazing delivery yeah. and amazing little cliffhanger.
0: Yeah. Although I do want to say the what have we done? And so it might be my favorite. This might be my favorite part of The Hobbit is I see fire by Ed Sheeran.
1: Yeah, I've got um, that written down as well.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because. Like, fuck, that's a good song. Like, I, yeah. I, I, do, I do quite like Ed Sheeran, Um, Cards on the Table. But that's, like, probably my favourite song by him. Yeah. But I don't think it works super well going from, what have we done? Cut, directed by Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Mr. Hyde. laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't know if that fully works and and i remember seeing it in the cinema and because that song was huge by the time the film came out and just being like ah yeah because i remember thinking this is this is a weird in credit song i was like oh they'll have a score and then go into that like they often do and no just straight into that and i was like ah, okay probably probably wouldn't have made that choice
1: do you know i'd never heard the song until the credits of oh really desolation smell because I, I didn't really have that problem with it because oh. that was the first time i heard it um So, a few more things that I really like in the trilogy. Um, Gollum in An Unexpected Journey looks amazing.
0: Yeah. And I felt so sorry for him. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he's not doing anything wrong. Like, he's a little (laughs) bit, like, you know, he's a little bit ADHD. Yeah. But he's, like, you know, just just kind of jumping around, like playing with corpses and stuff like that. And then, you know, Bilbo comes into his home and he's like, oh, I'm going to eat you. (laughs) And then. Um, Bilbo's like nah and then he just takes this ring and he's so sad and it's like amazing acting by hmm. Andy Serkis and amazing um, work by Weta but um, oh my god I felt so sorry for him when Bilbo takes the ring yeah. and he's like there's this one shot where uh, Bilbo's wearing the ring so he's invisible and he's like right in Gollum's face and Gollum's like just looking for him and he, and he looks so sad
1: yeah it's excellent. It's that's what it's I'm saying. Like it's that conflict is so pertinent to the wider story of mi- the Middle Earth saga, right? Because mm. th- that's like the that scene in the cave. I think is so good because it's actually like a huge turning point. On, like it's it's the linchpin which the rest of the series moves off. Because if Bilbo hadn't stolen the ring, Sauron would have got it sooner because they found Gollum. You know, mm. um, well I think they found Gollum. Yeah, he ended up being like shy Baggins, so like you know, um, yeah, and I think obvious there is there is an obvious reason for this. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying this like I'm like this genius or anything, but Gollum is also the most tasteful cameo of a Lord of the Rings t- character. in the, yeah. is that, in that scene the in
0: The Hobbit? Huh? And uh, is that scene in the book?
1: Yeah, of course. So right. that's what I'm saying. That's that's why it's obvious because it's based in the book itself. Um, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call Bilbo or Gandalf cameos because it's like they're the sake of the story of why. Well, it's what about like
0: Ian Home, Bilbo, or Frodo? yeah? That,
1: I think that's un- distasteful doing Frodo and old Bilbo. I think I think that doesn't work at all.
0: Uh, I think old Bilbo kind of works, but Frodo's pretty like yeah. Frodo's pretty. Like, we got him yeah. back, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but because uh, I think it works and it works as a nice bookie and having yeah, yeah. Ian Home actually because it's the book we've already seen, which I, I guess is why it works as a prequel. Because yeah, yeah, you're actually only really flashing back to like the start of Fellowship of the Ring mm. and then you're reading the book he's written. I think I think Ian Holm maybe should have
1: narrated it. I don't know if he should have appeared on screen. I right, think I so would have been, have been happy be
0: like with that. Oh, and then we went to No, like cafe. open and close the <laughs> yeah, first yeah. and like Galadriel and um Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um And the originals
1: yeah and i i would like i'd I'd call legolas a cameo simply because he's not in the book even though he's got a very beefed up role and like that's that's horrible and the gimli cameo is horrible and like so gollum gollum is a really good case for um how to do i i I feel dumb saying it because it's in the book and the book isn't a prequel but it is a a really well way a good way to do that kind of fanservicey prequel trope of yeah, sure, because he's so relevant to that story. Um, the other thing I really like is the Misty Mountain song from the first film is so good when they when they sing it and they're like over the Misty Mountain, oh, and yeah, it's I like hate that bit. you hate it,
0: yeah,
1: I love it, I love no, that I think song. It's stupid, I think it creates such an awesome atmosphere and it also they then turn it into the score for the film, right? So whenever there's action, it's like... Which gives the film its own identity. Because I think score is a big part of of differentiating a film from its sequel or whatever. And so it makes it feel separate from Lord of the Rings. And then I don't think they even play it by the time the third film comes around. (laughs) And it's like, no, that's the... Like, when I think of... This is my main problem with the Battle of the Five Armies. When I think of... An unexpected journey. I think of the the atmosphere of of the time that that film was out, and big part of that is the Misty Mountain song. And when I think of the Desolation of Smog, I think of Icy Fire. Like again, I didn't hear it till after, but after I saw the movie, that song was everywhere. And so, by virtue of association, but, like, they were
0: holding it back until you had seen the movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> by virtue of association, um, Desolation of Smog was was everywhere. Was this huge thing? And then in in um, Battle of the Five Armies, um. It's that Billy Boyd song that didn't
0: stick in the public consciousness yeah, at and all. Yeah, it's like at the end of the credits as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I remember when that first came out, I was like, I'll have a listen to it. And I didn't even finish the video. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm bored of this. And then I was like, uh, when we decided we're doing The Hobbit, I was like, oh, I should go listen to that Billy Boyd song. Because, uh, like I said, Edge of Night is like my favorite scene from mm. the Eroge the Tridge. And then... Um, I, again, I didn't make it through the video. I was just like, "Oh yeah, no, that's right. I don't remember this."
1: Um, and the last thing I've got for things I really like is, yeah, "I See Fire" by Ed Sheeran might be the best thing to come out of the entire trilogy.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. um, cool. Okay, now we're going to move on to dumb IMDb trivia, Richard. Yay! Um, so this, I, I, I scoured the IMDb. I spent about two hours reading IMDb trivia for the Hobbit films. Do you know how many times I saw the sentence "This was Christopher Lee's"? final appearance in film or like you know something akin to that they repeat the same shit over and over again and it's like i know i know it's based on a book i know that some of it's taken from the appendices stop telling me this Um, shit
0: it is interesting though like christopher lee in these films does look like someone who is about to die (laughs) yeah like he he looks very sick yeah. and very sickly, but mm. I mean, good on him. He was he was a real fucking rock and roll dude, mm. like yeah, Chris, yeah Christopher. No, I agree. Good yeah, on.
1: yeah. Um. So here I've got I've got quite a few, but three of them are like connected. So the first piece of of dumb IMDb trivia I've got here because IMDb trivia is user submitted, right? So anyone can add it, and it's. Doesn't have to be good. Alright. During Bard's speech to the people of Lake Town, after they reach dry land, the fourth wall of cinema is broken by a Siberian husky as it looks at the camera during a widescreen shot. Though it is highly unlikely the husky's gaze was intentional. <laughs> we may never know the, the secrets that rattle on inside a Siberian Hashtag husky's ask mind. Peter. <laughs> I like how it's not. It's highly unlikely that the huskies gaze. It's not like obviously the huskies gaze probably wasn't intentional. Yeah. It's it's highly unlikely. It implies that we can find out.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I love the the like because I imagine if you asked Peter Jackson like about any frame of lord of the rings he'd be able to be like oh yeah like oh, oh and you know get, get real deep into it whereas like oh th- when the husky looks at the camera was that in teacher about what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> i have no idea d- what you mean i don't care
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so these this this next i'm gonna read out three in a row okay oh so my by gosh. itself they're not gonna sound dumb but okay, is, i will but not three, interrupt you <laughs> three in a row okay number one the final move this is for Battle of the Five Armies the final movie of the cinematic Middle Earth franchise that began with Lord of the Rings The Fellowship of the Ring in 2001 number two this is the sixth movie taking place in Middle Earth to be directed by Peter Jackson it is also set third in terms of franchise chronology number three this is the last movie in the Hobbit trilogy and also the final movie in the Middle Earth film franchise they're in a row <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I fucking know I know it's, just, it's like, like it's wrong right at the bottom and after reading two hours worth of, of imdb trivia and getting to that if you it's don't like, fucking know that <laughs> <laughs> i am in hell this is purgatory it's just reading the same sentence worded slightly differently each time over and over again <laughs> <laughs> all right and the last thing i wrote down was <clears throat> for dumb imdb trivia this is a this is a great little piece of dumb imdb trivia richard oh, beautiful. um as spoilers for Battle of the Five Armies, not that we haven't spoiled it already, but as Feely dies before Keely in the movie, Keely becomes the crown prince of Erebor for a little while until his own death later on. Imagine bringing that up at the funeral. <laughs> like, you're all, you're all standing around their bodies and you're, like, looking at Keely and you, like, you know, lean over to the dwarf next to Dixie and you're like, you know, um, because Keely actually died after Feely, he was technically the crown the crown prince of Erebor for a little while, like for like twenty minutes.
0: But like, do any characters <laughs> actually know that they died in that
1: order? Maybe not, but the f- movie certainly knows that. And you know what? <laughs> it's such a it's like something it's something like someone would say because they found it out. And yeah, they'd say they'd say it at a funeral, and then someone would be like, "Hey, just stop talking."
0: <laughs> this
1: is not the time to be talking about this. Yeah, well, do you think when I when I
0: speak, I should mention <laughs> that he actually we're here mourning the crown prince? No, I no, no. no, no, no I don't, I don't, but it, like, te, I mean, it's fine because technically they
1: are both crown princes.
0: Yeah. No, and so, so it's like it doesn't. It's not taking I, you I don't, away
1: from his father. I, I don't think he should focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just, just talk about uh, his, his girlfriend. But, no, but Keely was. The crown prince of Erebor for like, like a little while, like half an hour. <laughs> he's still. If, what, who is it now? It could still be him. Maybe they didn't have any ears.
0: Do, yeah. Does anyone? Does anyone know who the crown prince is?
1: <laughs> and yeah, then the, the, the guy gets up to do a speech, and he's like, um. The last thing, like, I love Feely. I love Keely. They were both dear to me. Uh, and do you know that because Feely died before <laughs> Keely and the guy who's telling him not to, like, face palms in the crowd, he's, <laughs> Keely becomes, became, was the crown prince of Erebor for a little while. This is now my continue the franchise. <laughs> um, well, before we continue the franchise, Richard, one thing we have to talk about is titles. Um, because we talk about them a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Um, now I'm not the biggest fan of the Hobbit film subtitles. Um, particularly the last two which feel real like grandiose and fantastical in contrast to like the the like an unexpected journey is very Bilbo focused mm. and therefore Hobbit focused, and the film's called The Hobbit, right? Um <laughs> So yep. the originally the second of the two films, was, as I said before, is going to be called There and Back Again, um, which is obviously a nod to Bilbo's autobiography. Yep, there and Bakugan. <laughs> um, and this was then moved to the third film, which was then changed to The Battle of the Five Armies That's for right. like a completely valid reason that it's like, well, it's not really about, you know, the there yeah, and back Yeah, it's not again about the anymore. journey back.
0: Um, yeah. Although, yeah, like, I mean, it was one of those things where Peter Jackson was like, actually, we never said it was called There and Back Again. That was always just the name of the box set. I, well, I mean, that's... i found plenty of sources online that said it was
1: called There and Back Again. Yeah, there I know, and but <laughs> it's one of
0: these classic, like, you know. Um, but yeah, he said that that was always the, the intended name of, of the eventual, right? Um, like, you'd refer to this as, like, The Hobbit There and Back Again, this right. this franchise. Um. So... I think
1: I said last week that I really like the idea of the second film being called Into the Fire, um, which yeah, is
0: out of the frying pan into the fire. Is like a uh, two chapters, there.
1: Eh? Yeah, I think so. And he, they say it in in an unexpected journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Into the Fire has all sorts of wonderful Smaug, you know, imagery that's conjured up. Um, but that being said, if it was called Into the Fire, it needed to have Smaug's death, or at least in burning Lake Town at the end, because that's the only real like, you know, Into the Fire moment. Oh, but I guess
0: like going into Smaug's mountain, you're entering like the fire essentially.
1: Um, And the last thing I thought is, um, and again, as usual with these titles, I'm not that passionate about this, but I'd be interested to hear your because you know I think in my own head, and I'd be interested Mm. to hear. And I often
0: tell you that your titles are dumb.
1: Exactly. So I think the King Under the Mountain would have potentially been a cool title, if not for the third film, but for the whole trilogy. Like, I think it sounds a little more on brand when stacked next to Lord of the Rings. You know, you've got the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the King Under the Mountain trilogy. Mm. Um, And at least then the fact that, like, the Hobbit, the titular character, is suspiciously, like, relegated to the background for a lot of the last two films. This would not, like, it would be, it wouldn't be without precedent. Like, people couldn't be like, why is the Hobbit barely in the two, the last two Hobbit movies?
0: Yeah, um... Yeah, my only thought was like the, it wouldn't really make sense for the first film, and I think it would work better for a book. I think it's too long to have the King under the mountain and then a subtitle. But Lord of the, it's the same amount of words as Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I know, but the the words are longer. Mountain, God, how many oh, letters is that? Like nineteen. So
1: long. You're right. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I get where you're
0: coming from, but
1: it's a cool, um, it's a cool, it is a cool title in and of itself, though I think right yeah yeah imagine if they'd called the instead of battle of the five armies that is like the hobbit an unexpected journey the hobbit uh the desolation of Smaug, the hobbit the return of the king <laughs> <laughs> um
0: all right so um last but we t- we also talk about taglines now don't we i don't have them any written down do you oh, well i don't know i guess you don't have every segment wow that's true you're right
1: I failed you as a as a friend <laughs> and as an artist. Um, so last, I like that
0: that discussion we had was off pod though. So yeah, true. Um, so this is just going to have no context,
1: <laughs> much like a lot of the things that happen in all of the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> no context to explain this. Um, so last episode, we put a put a thing out on Facebook and was like, "What are your favourite scenes from Lord of the Rings?" And we got like. <laughs> 30 something comments like everyone sort of saying like what they loved i put out a post again last week that said what are what are your favorite scenes on the hobbit trilogy and we got way less <laughs> comments on this post so here are a few answers that we got um jeremy says levitating legolas so he <laughs> runs up the falling
0: bridge in the battle of the five armies it's and it's so like- stupid it, it looks and and they they have because it's like, you know, you could have, like, a couple of steps and it would look all right. Mm. So it's like these bricks are, like, falling and he's, like, jumping off each of them. But they cut to a shot from him, like, front on concentrating. And it makes it look like this is actually real hard to do, but it's mm. so stupid.
1: Mm. Um, Emma says, when the dwarves sing in Bilbo's living room, because I always thought that the songs were boring in the book, but that was pretty cool. Kind of all downhill from there, though. Um Scott says, the scene where Thorin's recruiting officer asks Bilbo, who are your people? I don't think I remember that scene. <laughs> um, Scott says, the uh, Dora 11 on Instagram says, the trailer for the first film, they had the tone nailed down. Then after the first 30 minutes of the film, things slowly started going downhill. I guess I liked the first interaction with Smaug, and if you put the scene where Smaug gets shot at the end of the second film, it would have been cooler. He also says, yeah. the, v- the vlogs and the behind the scenes were still on point, though.
0: Because that's something do we haven't wanna, really talked about. That, that brings up something I wanted to discuss. Do you remember when it was like revealed that these movies weren't very good? Like um, people it, were it looking was forward the first to the, one, people, but like people, people, were, people thought like going into them that they'd be amazing, right?
1: I remember making the astute observation that these were the new prequel trilogies before the first one came out,
0: right? So interesting, yeah. Because I can't remember like going into it if I thought. I mean, I saw. It, I remember seeing it in like January, though, so it was like it had been out for a month, um, uh, and thinking like, "Oh yeah, I'll just get it over and done with." Hmm. Um, yeah, so
1: I, uh, I think the the main thing I remember about the first film before I saw it that people were saying hmm. was that it's way too long.
0: Yeah, because like I remember like why well, I don't remember it, but like the Phantom Menace, it wasn't until people were in the cinema. That they realised it was bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was a case of that. I think yeah. there was way, it was way more publicised in this case, and just yeah. the fact that it was splitting a tiny book into three movies. I think. Yeah, was yeah. Because I
0: remember even because because when I saw Ian McAllen, it was uh in 2012. So that's yeah. what when the year same year as first Hobbit came. So I saw him like six months, and he kind of like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he kind of didn't speak positively about it being split. Really? Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, Jack underscore Bishop says uh, Thorin and Azog's fight and eventual deaths, Gollum's riddle scene and most scenes with Smaug as Benedict Cumberbatch is brilliant in this and the last fan comment um, for favorite scenes is from ben who again is one of our patrons who says probably the first time bilbo's sword glows blue and then one of the dwarves is like they told me you'd have a little blue sword they didn't say anything about a little blue man which again is a reference to big fat liar uh which is a film that on our patreon he's trying to get us desperately tried to get us to watch uh but we will not unless people vote for it <laughs> uh cuckoo cool. okay So, Richard, let's do it. Let's continue the franchise. Um, So this is a segment where we kind of pitch our ideas for sequels or whatever... um while there are still plenty there are plenty of like Middle Earth adjacent projects going on or have existed um, a few of which we talked about in the last episode Um, there's nothing really expanding upon specifically The Hobbit in production surprise surprise Um, again the only thing of note would be the Amazon TV series which actually had a mild update Richard since we spoke about it last Yes, Um, because you said that um, Peter Jackson was asked if he's going to be involved and he essentially said fuck no Um, but according to Slack film peter jackson might be involved or at least he's not not involved (laughs) that was the last statement that they they released a couple days ago about it um i also found out apparently the series is going to tell new stories within middle earth and the long there's a lot been a long-standing rumor that it'll be an aragon focused prequel which frankly sounds like a pretty bad idea
0: yeah it's um uh and also just in the last like 24 hours of recording this they've released like the map they've started the marketing campaign Hmm. and um apparently the map they've released extends further east than most versions oh interesting far beyond the sea of rune Rune, right um
1: one thing i did find interesting though is that this isn't like exactly continue the franchise but it's worth mentioning here is back when the trilogy the hobbit trilogy was only going to be two films did you know that the original plan was to make the first film the hobbit and the second film one that like a fictional film like fictional like one that's not based on a book that bridges the gap between the hobbit and the lord of the rings
0: Right, like when Peter Jackson was involved, you're talking about... No, Guillermo well, like del, del Toro right, as well. Right, right, right,
1: yeah. Like, both of them were like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make The Hobbit and then the film that bridges the gap between The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Interesting. Um, this film would have possibly featured storylines following Gollum getting to Mordor and Aragorn setting watch on the Shire, which sounds like thrilling stuff <laughs> uh, and worse than the shitty trilogy we already got, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I, I didn't see... When I was reading del Toro's statements on it, because he was the one who uh, like announced like, oh, actually, I think we will just split The Hobbit into two films. I reckon right. he always thought this was a bad idea and was just like biding his time, you know, sure. knowing when to play his cards before he said that they shouldn't do it that way. Um, all right, so my idea for continuing the franchise is editing all six fucking films together in chronological order uh, and maybe use it as a torture device. People have to watch all the extended editions, you know, start with um, Gollum finding the ring, you know, oh, yeah, nice. and then all of the hobbits, except for the opening b- bookends.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, the bookends will just be like this weird <laughs> thing where he's like, it, it, it goes from the hobbit to then like one or two scenes from Lord of the Rings and then Bilbo being like, ah, uh, I remember this. Yeah. Yep, that sure was fun to remember. <laughs> no well wishes solicitors and, and it's like
1: they don't change the frame rate between the films. It really cuts to like forty eight frames per second. Alright, what's your idea, Richard?
0: Um so there's a line of dialogue in An Unexpected Journey where Bilbo's like, How many wizards are there? And he's like and Gandalf's like, Well, you've got me the grey, uh there's Saruman the White, Radagast the Brown, who we meet in these films, played by Sylvester McCoy. Um, who's just the fucking stupidest character. Mm. And then he's like, oh, there's two blue ones, but I forget their names. And then that's it. And Um, it's like
1: the most interesting, intriguing line in the whole franchise. (laughs) So
0: I would like to see a movie about those two blue wizards. Mm. Now, I'm sure they exist in the canon and you can look up their names, but I would like to, I like the idea of doing like, are you familiar with like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? yeah um so it's it's a sequel to hamlet that takes place at the same time and it has them being like responsible for things off screen and so and it's also (laughs) the inspiration for the lion king one and a half yeah why are you laughing because i said off screen
1: no because i can tell where this is going
0: (laughs) um and so i would like to see the two blue wizards being like responsible for every plot hole in yeah. both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Like, <laughs> I'd love that if, if they were like, um, and so I'd also like, it'd be fun to just do a completely different genre. So like have like Key and or play them or like maybe um, uh, the Fab girls, Jonah Lumley and um, what's the other one's <laughs> name?
1: Um, D- Dawn? Nah,
0: no. No, Dawn French is Vickery um, Dibley. Um, I'll look them up ab fab here we go uh so you got oh jennifer saunders and yeah. jonah lumley um and yeah like have them because you know there's not a female characters it'd be cool if, the, if they, they had some um, female wizards. yeah so uh yeah have them be responsible for things so I'm trying to think of i don't know if you've got any as well that, that would be good but i was thinking like maybe they were um like when the whole fly you fools thing and then they actually got to where the eagles were waiting for them to fly, but the blue wizards somehow, like... Scared them away. <laughs> scared them away. <laughs> and they were like, oh, shit. And, and then, so they were actually just, like, waiting on the other side of where Gandalf <laughs> falls. The eagles is like, fly, you fools. The, the, the eagles yeah. are right outside. Yeah. And then, uh, but it turns out they scared them away. <laughs> and, the, uh, and then, like, yeah, what else is there? They they um, were driving the car that's um seen... When um when Sam says, "Oh, if I go any further, this will be the furthest I've ever been." Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, they were creating the dust cloud. I found out apparently it's just a dust cloud that you see. Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, yeah, like they they're responsible for that light flicker. Are <laughs> mm. mm. okay. you got any other major? The, the plot biggest holes? the
1: thing I noticed, and I don't know how you'd fix this with the Blue Wizards, but the you see Ian Holmes Bilbo grab the ring in a flashback in Fellowship of the Ring. And he looks like Ian Holm and not like Martin Freeman. Right, right. So I wonder if there's like a way that the Blue Wizards are responsible for that. <laughs> yeah. The, the Blue Wizards cast a spell over Middle Earth at the start of The Hobbit, which makes everything glisten. And that's why yeah. the C- everything's painted with
0: CGI. Yeah. Um, or, or you have, um, <laughs> like, so they've been around since like the dawn of time and they run into um, Smeagol, who's just like played by Andy Serkis, and Andy Serkis is like, Oh, hello. Uh, you know, Smig was like, Hello, how, how do you do, you fine ladies? And one of them trips and knocks his trachea. And he's like, <laughs> 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 And that's why he talks like that <laughs> as when he's just a normal hobbit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 that's good stuff, man. That's um, really good. Yeah. So, like, I just like love to see, like, it could even be like a comic book, you know, just mm. like a fun little um, thing. Because there's, um, like, is it like Tag and Binks? um, for the star wars like these two guys are responsible for every plot hole uh but yeah i think the the blue wizards because they already exist in the canon Mm. uh, would be a fun way to explore that cool
1: cool um they do they do have names i can't remember what they are either i'm like gandalf um but i did find (laughs) out I'm like
0: gandalf yeah i'm in every
1: way possible um i did find out though that apparently the reason they t- can't say their names is because while the blue wizards are mentioned in the Lord of the Rings, the their names are mentioned in the Silmarillion, which That's they don't right. have the rights to. It, yeah. Which is a pretty fun way to get around that. A little, yeah. fun, a weird little meta reference to the fact that, um, yeah, they don't have the names. Mm. Um, cool. Okay. Well, that, like you the- could just not have um, Bilbo ask. Yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, like, and, like the blue, the idea of the blue wizards. Is like one of the, te- for me, it's a textbook case of like a throwaway line expanding yeah. a world
0: in a way that's like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. I want to know more about that. But it's funny, like, like Gandalf's answer is like, he knows about the rights because <laughs> like, like Peter, you know about the rights. You could have just not had Bilbo ask, mm. but it's like, you know, Bilbo's a real person and asked him and Gandalf was like, oh fuck, I can't mention them. I'll just say, I don't remember. Mm. But it's unknown if this was intentional.
1: Yeah. Hey, so what we're gonna do now, Richard, that that about does our podcast on the Hobbit trilogy. I hope you yeah. enjoyed it. Um we're gonna announce what the next franchise we're doing is in just a second. This one was voted by our Patreon.
0: Well, yeah, normally we would, but we're gonna have to do something a little bit different, AJ.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, but before we get to that uh, if you like this podcast please consider supporting it on Patreon patreon.com slash Popsha and you can also um, you can also find us on Facebook and give us a like there find us on YouTube and give us a subscribe follow us on Twitter tweet Valter uh, um if you want and uh, um, get him to come and appear on the show you can also find us on Instagram uh, where we post pictures of the movies we're watching um, you can find us on um um, SoundCloud and iTunes, obviously, where you're listening to this now. And you can also email us at coldpoptionmedia at gmail.com. Please leave a comment tell us what you thought of this episode or what you thought of the Hobbit movies. Um, okay, we've got a problem, Richard, because, well, yeah, so we, every second franchise is decided by a Patreon vote. So we say, hey, vote for the, you know, comment a franchise suggestion and the one with the most likes from other patrons will win. Um, and this week, uh, We've got a stalemate. Um, we've got the two National Treasure films uh, and Big Fat Liar and Bigger Fatter Liar. They're, they've both got the same amount of votes. Um, and this, we don't. I didn't. I, up until yesterday, this wasn't the case. <laughs> I was watching it. And national Treasure was winning. Um, and but now it looks like Big Fat Liar is is up there. What is the best practice? How do we decide? I can tell you which one I'd rather do. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we also just narrowly missed out. They've both got one more vote than the Pokemon movie franchise, which has like 20 something. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, well, I mean, normally what we do when we do other podcasts for the Patreon is post a poll. It's too late. Well, we can post a poll and then record a little extra second tomorrow announcing what it is. Um, I can't. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm real busy for the rest
1: till this gets released. I have to edit this as soon as we finish, um, recording. Uh, oh, okay. Um, should we flip a coin? Do you have a coin on you?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll just grab one. Wait, once no,
1: again. we need it to be audible though, because you could be making it up. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, okay, start
0: start I'll, filming. No, I'll get I'll get the random number generator. <laughs> okay, just between one and two. Yeah. <laughs> or no, I'll do like a random number between like zero and 200 and if it's greater than 100 well
1: if it's odd or even
0: yeah okay yeah so um which one should be which (laughs) uh well well you, you decide big fat
1: liar is odd and national treasure is even
0: okay so it's between zero and 294 okay wait what did you say
1: i said big fat liar is odd And National Treasure is even. 212. It's even! We're on National (laughs) Treasure, baby! Fuck you, you, Ben!
0: (laughs) <laughs> uh,
1: thank you for your um, monthly donations actually ben we really we greatly appreciate it and you know from a content perspective i think it's funnier to drag out the big fat liar and t- t- like debacle for more than a couple episodes so l- we've lived to die another day with <laughs> national treasure being our next franchise the two national treasure films Oh, fuck, that was close, bro. (laughs) I really don't want to watch Big Fat Liar and Bigger Fatter Liar.
0: Well, the thing about Big Fat Liar is I just don't think it's going to make a very good podcast. (laughs) It's, It's not interesting.
1: No, we'll have to, like, get drunk for it or something. Like, we'll have to do something to, like opened up that maybe we could li- be big fat liars and lie about the plots of the whole movies
0: <laughs> you know
1: we could have lied and and gone with national treasure even if we got big fat liar and just be like well yeah we are keeping in theme with the movie it's about liars all right so that's it um tune in next week Next French next next week to hear us talk about the Oscars um, I should say now actually that the episode Is going to come out a little later in the day Because the the day that the podcast comes out Is the same day as the Oscars So we're actually going to record it after the Oscars And release it probably um, Monday night New Zealand time As opposed to Monday morning New Zealand time Yes um, And then the week after that we're going to be covering The two National Treasure set
0: movies What are we doing the week
1: after that? Um, I think we don't think we have anything planned do we?
0: Feel free to comment your, stu- we need your to suggestions call,
1: We need to call Peter Jackson and be like Hey man we need a an off the, off the fly Plan for our third episode From now can you tell us Just think of something quickly <laughs> uh, We love you Peter Jackson But um, Please make something better <laughs> <laughs>